0: But tonight, guys, I want to just take a few moments together just to consider hope uh, in the light of Christmas. And Christmas seems to be a lot of things these days in our culture. But originally, Christmas was all about hope. And I don't want us to miss that. Not, I hope I get what I want for Christmas. I know you guys are all thinking, yeah, I do. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's really something more to Christmas than that type of thinking. And when I say the word hope, I don't mean it in that same way. The popular use today is an expression of anticipation uh, created by uncertainty. So it's based on the unknowns or could be's, very vague optimism. But the biblical use, I love how hope is brought forth and explained, defined for us. Because it's different. It's an expression of expectation that's based on what is known. So it's something good, okay? Something that is coming, future, for sure. In Psalm 130, verses 5 and 7, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant mercy redemption. So hope in his word and in himself. Pretty simple, right? I would say so. But a lot of people misplace hope in other things besides him and what he has said. So this is the biblical concept of hope. So looking forward by hope to good because something that is known and promised. We know in Hebrews chapter 11 it tells us Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So it's really the opposite of hope is despair, isn't it? And we know a lot of people are in despair today. There is a feeling in the air for many right now um, and all of us from time to time, we go through it. But the Bible offers us hope okay, to save us from that despair. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. It says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for the refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. So this hope, guys, there's this great confidence in this strong, trustworthy anchor for us as believers. And in Psalm 146, verse 5, yes, we're going to go through a lot of verses, but we're going to do it quick tonight because I want you guys to get a feel of the whole of what Scripture speaks to in this reality of Christmas and the hope that we have as Christ followers. It tells us in Psalm 146, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So this hope equals joy. Okay? Okay. And again, that's not speaking about happiness. You don't have to be happy to have the joy of the Lord. In Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope, Paul writes, fill you. Okay, This is something that we should be expecting. We should be filled with hope, with all joy and peace, in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is a source of hope. How many of you guys have experienced that? from God. There's nothing like it, is it? To have that hope, that peace, that joy. It's unexplainable, but it's only found in God. So here is why this biblical understanding for you and I of hope is so important. Life happens in ways that can easily cause us to fall into despair, doesn't it? Or am I the only one? Okay, good, good, good. We can interact a little bit, okay? okay? There's death. We have a hard time with loss, don't we? Seeing loved ones die, go through it. Cancer, strokes, financial ruin, unexpected loss, betrayal. And life goes on, guys. There's always something, it seems like. But hope helps us. I love what First Thessalonians tells us in chapter 4. It says, but I don't want you to be ignorant. So God's telling us, I don't want you to ignore. Do not ignore this. Brethren, concerning those who fallen asleep, those who have passed in Christ, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. We as Christians have a hope. Okay? We look forward to I can't wait to get home. It's not a bad thing if I leave this life. Okay, because we have a hope that is sure, that is real. And for people who want to cling to this life, I don't think they get the big picture and they're not holding to the hope that we have in Christ see Christian hope literally helps us make it through today you see we do grieve but differently so as I said before Christmas originally was all about hope and we know this passage well James just read it for us I want to read it again for unto us a child is born who's this child Jesus right Unto us a son is given. He's a gift. God so loved the world that he gave, right? And the government sh- will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Yeah, Jesus is God, guys. Everlasting Father, three but one. Yes, God the Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David, over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice for from that time forward even forever the zeal of the lord of hosts will perform this now this is a prophecy about the coming messiah jews today they're still looking for the messiah to come i wish they would read their bibles more okay isaiah wrote this 700 years before jesus came okay and it was given this prophecy was given in a very dark time for Israel. Now, the word Advent is thrown around this time of year. What's Advent? Well, it speaks of the coming of Christ, the arrival of the Messiah, his coming, his visit. So a promise meant to provide hope for God's people. This is why God gave these prophets these words to share. Okay, The Messiah is coming. He is our hope. He is going to come. This is our future hope. This is a sure thing that's going to happen. Why? Because they were in despair. So the despair that they had was due largely to their own sin. The ruin it caused in their inability to fix it. Now we're going to hang in Isaiah just a little bit. I'm going to read to you from chapter 1. If you're still there, you can turn to chapter 1 with me. We're going to look at verses 2 to 8. And listen carefully. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people, they do not consider. And doesn't God just... I mean, isn't that the bottom line that we know him, right? That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you go to church and you want to be religious... God is going to say to many in that day, the final day, depart from me. I never knew you. Okay? It's about relationship with him. Anyways, I'm getting off track. Back here, verse 4. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. And they have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or sued with ointment. Your country is desolate Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. And it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in the vineyard and as a hut in the garden of cucumbers in a besieged city. So they had fallen into this cold, dead religion, and God is calling them out. A false routine. God saw right through it all. And then he picks it up in verse 11 and says, To what purpose is this multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough, he says, with your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of the fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices." Incense, it's an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure the iniquity in this sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them, and when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So God calls these, his people, Israel, to live differently. And he says in verse 16 Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. But they would refuse. And that's the bummer. Very dark times, lost in despair, searching for hope in crazy places. And that brings us over then to chapter 8 that James read earlier in verse 19. And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizard are wizards and whispers and mutter. Should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law, and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. They will pass through it hard-pressed and hungry, and it shall happen when they are hungry, and they are enraged, and they curse their king and their God, and look upward. Then they will look to the earth and see the trouble and the darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into the darkness." then god (laughs) i love when he steps in right in his love in his grace in his mercy would step in and provide them hope they had none some of you guys might be like pastor what are you doing this is christmas eve this is pretty hard stuff this isn't joyful you know well guys why are things joyful why is hope so good The only way hope in Christ can be good means things need to be pretty dark and pretty bad without him. And the world doesn't want to recognize that. James told me early, he wanted to preach this as he read it because he's like, bro, it's talking about today. And it is. This is today. We keep rebelling. We're doing the exact same thing the children of Israel did. But here's the hope that God provides. In chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he, God, lightened or lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them light has shined. So at that moment, guys, Israel was given hope, a promise, assurance of future good. And that hope would be you know, would form them, it would sustain them, would carry them through horrific times. 700 years of craziness for these people and they were looking forward to the promise coming of the Messiah, God himself. And they waited until the first advent. Now there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night and behold, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So, why was Israel experiencing dark days? Why did they need hope? So God would discipline, judge them? Well, you guys see, hope, there is coming a better day. There's a promise given. I promise, God says. And you see how hope works here. All the dark days prior were filled with longing for what? For Emmanuel. God with us. That is our hope. It's a bummer people don't long for him more today. We need that hope. Not just here in our own backyards, our neighbors, in America, the world. Father her is in despair, and we are all in need of hope. You guys see for Christians, the weeks before Christmas Christmas are called Advent. Okay, we are here entering into and in waiting with Israel for that hope that sustained them. We identify with their need to be saved, the inability to save themselves, to celebrate the hope that is in Christ Jesus. But Christianity, guys, there's two arrivals, isn't there? You see, Christmas is not the end, but it is the beginning. Advent is not only looking back 2,000 years ago to a little babe in a manger, but we're looking forward. Christmas is about more than Bethlehem. It's about Christ coming again. And we also can do more than merely identify with Israel's longing. Can't we relate to Israel's condition as described here by God in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 and 6? Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints from the sole of the foot even to the head. There is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Though forgiveness of sins was brought to us through the cross, the first advent, that's why Christ came, we still personally and on a global scale experience the grinding, binding, burning effects of sin. There's sickness, there's perversion, broken relationships, oppression, evil, death, Destruction, crazy fires out west. I mean, there's this part of daily life. It's become common experience. In many ways, we still feel like those who live in a land of deep darkness. You see, guys, the salvation that has been brought to us in Christ, it's unfolding or exists in three tenses. We have been fully saved from the penalty of sin if you are in Christ. If you've called out to Him for forgiveness of sins, you've given your allegiance to Him, you've been fully saved from sin, the penalty of it. We are being daily saved from the power of sin, and we will be ultimately saved from the presence of sin and all of its effects. That's why we look forward to the second coming of Christ. For when we see Him, we will be as He is, 1 John 3.3. 3. And everyone who looks or has that hope purifies their hearts just as he is pure. Guys, the second advent of Christ, the reality of Christmas, the hope we have is so important for us as believers. So the second advent, and until that time, we find ourselves needing to cling to hope. Are you clinging to hope today? this Chris- Well, Pastor, I'm too busy. I had a lot of presents I didn't get into last minute, and i got to get here and there. Great. Are you clinging to hope? (laughs) Because there's always something, guys. But in it all, we need to be clinging to Christ. Christianity has two great arrivals. And Christmas isn't the end. It's the beginning. So we're looking forward. And if we look to our text again, we're going to see the first advent brought much of that. And there's much yet to come. I mean, look at just a couple of these things in verses 2 and 4. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And then Isaiah goes on to say, Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor in the day of Midian. So light and freedom from darkness and bondage of sin, guys. And then we have the Isaiah 9-6. For unto us a child is born. The promise of the Messiah until the Son's given. The government will be upon his shoulders. Is that happening today? No. I can't wait though. Because let me tell you what, the hope we put in man, man's fallen. Government's gotten too big and things aren't getting better. It just seems like we're becoming more divisive and things are falling apart. So when Christ comes again, we know that he's going to rule and reign. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So God with us, and we'll have peace with God. And let me tell you what, I love, I love seeing someone when they're new in Christ, when they finally repent and come to faith personally. Just them sharing the peace that they have. Finally, like, there's nothing like, I've never experienced anything. To be at peace with my Maker, this is the greatest thing. Because we don't change, okay? The only thing that changes is who we are in the eyes of God. We are now His kids. We're part of His family. Are we perfect? No. But God sees us as He sees Christ. His righteousness. And to know that we have standing with Him. He just loves us. That He's been gracious. Anyways, I could go on. It's so good. Verse 7 then tells us, And of the increase of His government... And the peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice. I can't wait for that. For that time forward even forever. Do you guys know when Christ comes again? Okay? He's not leaving. Okay? <laughs> we get to be with him. Ruling and reigning with him. A thousand years. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be so Cool. But he's going to come this, and he's going to do it. He's going to perform it. So the kingdom come, right? We pray that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're looking forward to that. That plays into hope when we pray that. A few more scriptures as we wrap this up. Um, One of the things that I love is we know that that prayer will be answered, that God's will will be done. No one can thwart that. He promised it. He fulfilled everything to a T concerning his first coming. Why would anything be different concerning his second coming? And if you study the Bible, you guys know that there's over a thousand prophecies in the Bible concerning his second coming. Okay, going I mean, things are. I talked about it a little bit on Sunday. I'm just so excited. Okay, on Sunday we talked about things a little bit, but things. The stage is being set. Lord's coming. I'm excited. I want to share with you guys Romans. Is that too small to read for you guys up there? If it is, listen carefully because I love Romans 8 and here should be our posture then in light of this hope, this reality, this Christmas, the hope of Christ coming again. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, that they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation is eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now, or together until now. Not only that, but also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is not, or is seen, is not hope. For why does one still hope for what? He sees, so the sure expectation of something good, guys. We groan. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha! Come quickly, Lord. Isaiah twenty-five verses seven through nine says, and he will destroy on this mountain the surface, or the surface of the covering cast over all people, and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. And we will be glad and rejoice in His salvation. So rejoice in what has been brought to us, guys. Hope confidently in what has been brought to us in Jesus. We cling to that hope. But also I want us to remember, we also are truly longing. So what is going on? If Christ has come, why is there so much turmoil, so much destruction in the world? Hope. That's what God says. Hope. And we do more than just wait hopefully. We serve and we obey God faithfully. That is what we live. That's really how we live out our hope, brothers and sisters. Because sin will be judged, so we refrain, we repent from sin. We live differently because of hope. It has been brought to us through delivery of sin. Now we rejoice. Last scripture here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. That is a promise, guys. We get to hold to this. This is our hope. So Christmas is both hope realized and it's hope held. That changes the way that we grieve, the way we celebrate, the way we live. Would you stand with me, please? I wanted to close in prayer, but I wanted to close with a prayer from the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church in Ephesus. And he prayed this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? And Father, we would add our amen to that. God, please open our eyes. Help us to see, Father, just how good, how faithful, Lord, you are to your promises, to your word. And we know all the promises that you've given are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We are so thankful for the gift of your Son, for what he did for us, the perfect life he lived, God, how he laid his life down as a sacrifice that our sins may be forgiven. Truly, Lord, you are good. And you are a great giver. Father, help us to grab hold tightly to the hope that there is in you and you alone really father i pray you bless these my brothers and sisters father thank you for the visitors here tonight just pray you be with them father as they get opportunity to celebrate uh, just this christmas season with friends family lord and even if we're alone we know that we're really not god for you've given us another wonderful promise that you're never going to leave us or forsake us you are such a good god We thank you so much for this time together tonight. We pray you'd be blessed, Lord, and honored this Christmas. We ask this in your name. Amen.